What's an M. Night? M. Night Shyamalan, the Indian filmmaker from Philly. Oh my God, this dude's a big deal. He you always puts I mean? some like awesome twist at the end of his movies to trick the audience. Oh yeah, yeah, like like in The Sixth Sense, you find out that the dude um, in that hairpiece the whole time, that's Bruce Willis the whole movie. That's not the twist. That's not the twist of that movie. That wasn't the twist. No. where we discuss and review the career of filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan. I'm AJ Gonzalez, movie blogger and video store clerk, and... I'm Brian Connolly. I also work at a video store called Vulcan Video. Vulcan Video. Here in beautiful Austin, Texas. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> we are working at a video store in 2017. How weird is that? Yeah, it's it's the dream, living the dream. <laughs> Do you think Probably. DJs also feel the same way? They're like, gosh, I'm still on the radio. I still have this job. Yeah. This isn't meant to be. It's like somehow. Somehow. Someone's I'm still doing I'm still it. still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an exciting episode because this we, we uh, watched a movie that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. 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 So we're not moving on directly to the village. First, we have to take a stop. At the buried secret of M. Night Shyamalan, Ooh. a uh, promo mockumentary uh, made by the Sci-Fi Channel. Wait, mockumentary? <laughs> what? This isn't real? <laughs> it says documentary on IMDb. They don't lie. Is it, what, isn't there a category of mockumentary? Like when you look up a Christopher Guest movie on IMDb, wouldn't it say mockumentary or comedy? This one said would. only, I think it only said documentary, I so therefore right. it's probably all real. But first, real. we do have some Shyamalan minutes, I guess you would say, yeah. like to, to talk News. about. News. News flash. Uh, so he, <coughs> he set Twitter a flutter uh, this month. First, he had a little hint of, he, po- he tweeted, and I normally don't retweet, I only pay attention to what Shyamalan's doing, you know. But he tweeted, working on my new script. Really worried for my characters right now. Got to take a break. <laughs> he knows he can write good things for them, right? Like, he's the creator. He can just make them have, you know, a birthday party or something. They don't have to just be bad things. So so everyone was like, hmm, what is he writing? Is it going to be this thing? And then he announced, uh, what was it, a week ago? Like yeah, a week about, and half ago? about a week ago. He's like, surprise, I'm making a third movie in this series called Unbreakable. Called Glass is what it'll be called. And I'm guessing it'll be about uh, Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis. Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis, but it's also a sequel to Split. To Split. So I'm guessing, what the heck could that movie be about? I don't know. Like, okay, like like Unbreakable and Mr. Glass going up against each other again. Okay, or even like... Are they going to team up and go against the McAvoy? I don't know, or I could see Unbreakable fighting... The Legion or the Beast or whatever he but, becomes. But did, like then what? Like then like what are they gonna do? But then what? But then I don't know how Mister Glass would figure in. Because he's a t- titular character. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. movie is about him, and we already have his backstory. <laughs> we already have like all like Unbreakable is all his backs. Like we have the whole thing. We don't know what he's done since two thousand. You know, so like what's happened since the movie came out. 
I'm assuming he went to jail and was just in Ooh, jail. Do you think they kept him in like a Hannibal Lecter? Oh, type I was just cell? yeah, yeah. Do you think it's gonna be he is like Lecter, and then you're gonna have Bruce Willis go visit him and be like, "How should I? What? Like, tell me. Yeah. Like, you're the comic book master. How do I fight this villain? And like, so maybe it'll be something dumb like that. I don't yeah. Know. Or maybe it'll be really good. I have I no think idea. I'm excited for that idea that we just came up with. Or yeah. that Shyamalan came up with <laughs> just before we did. Um, or is it going to be a thing where, like, within prison, Samuel Jackson forms this team of bad guys, and he escapes and teams up with McAvoy, and Bruce Willis has to fight both of them? Like, I, I foresee that Shyamalan's going to have a whole sort of Marvel-type universe in his mind, and he's going to do, like, we're going to get, like, ten Unbreakable movies. That's my prediction, is we're just, we're just going to be bombarded with Star yeah. Wars and Unbreakable films for the next 25 years. I feel like definitely this film, Glass, is going to be like a, 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 like a turning point or a touchstone, a make-or-break film. Shyamalan, like, he built up his reputation, and then it all uh, kind of went downhill for him, and then he came back doing these low-budget, full-bore horror films. Yeah. And now, is he going to go back? Is Glass going to be a big movie? Is, is it going to be, be or is it a Blumhouse, like, $8 million thing? Or is it going to be, like, a $50 million, like, studio film? We don't know. The thing is, like, no matter what we think about it, it won't be what we think it's going to be because Shyamalan is good at, like, he knows how to, like, not... He's not going to just write a straightforward thing. I don't <laughs> think so. He has before, but I feel like where he's at now, I don't foresee it being just, like... It's just Bruce Willis fighting James McAvoy. I think there's going to be something there that we won't expect, clearly. He is the master of the twist, him and Chubby Checker. And, like, that's, like, what is it going to be? I don't know. I feel maybe the twist is, surprise, it's just about, you know, Ira Glass. (laughs) (laughs) Or Philip Glass. Or it's a documentary about Glass. But he just has those people in it, like, introducing, you know, like, how sand gets cooked. and That's right. Into, it's about Ira you know, Glass like, finds out that there's this guy that's never missed a day of work. <laughs> like, he does a story about it. Today, it's about him interviewing the person, and then he records it for the, his show. Yeah. And it's just, it's sort of like a, um, the George Clooney movie about uh, Murrow, Edward R. Murrow, <laughs> or it's just, it's just like the whole movie is just about this, you know, two hours of them recording this episode about this, about uh, this guy who like never been sick, you know. <laughs> Today, Thrilling. for the whole hour, the story of David Dunn. Thrilling. Stay tuned. <laughs> so that's it. That's the Shemelan uh, news. Yeah, so um, we're excited, looking forward to whenever that may happen. He's, well, he said January 2018. <laughs> he straight up said, "Whoa, it's January 2018." So it's like less than a year. It's happening. He's probably they're doing it now. Damn. All right. So there you go. If we live another year, we'll have that to look forward to. Yeah. If the world doesn't blow up, doesn't and... blow up, or we don't all die of things <laughs> that are suddenly pre-existing conditions. <laughs> Hey, don't get political uh, now. <laughs> Dating the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the buried secrets of. All right. um, is it buried? Is it secret or is it plural? Secret. So it's just one, one secret. We only get one secret. Um, and did I? Who you? Do, who did you do signs? I did signs. Do? Okay. Yeah. So this is gonna be easy. Uh, but so, first. Uh, we should oh yeah, talk we gotta talk scotch. about our scotch. I forgot. I was so excited drinking the scotch. I forgot about our. Not sponsor, not sponsor. Yes, the non-sponsor sponsor this month 
is Clan McGregor blended scotch whiskey. It's the cheapest scotch I've ever bought. It was twelve dollars. <laughs> But it's in a glass bottle, so it can't all be that bad. And it tastes all right. Have you ever bought a scotch in a plastic bottle? Uh, yeah, that one that we drank for Unbreakable, which I still have. Was that the plastic bottle? That was a plastic did bottle. Did you do it because plastic is unbreakable? Yes, I did. Oh! Did we talk about that? I don't think so. Oh, well, I think... We should mention, pl- plastic is harder to break than glass. <laughs> so it's the cheapest. So this was like bottom of the shelf... Yeah. Like the bottom shelf, very, the very bottom. bottom shelf. But you know what? It tastes good. It's very it sm- it's very smooth for a cheap usually cheap scotch isn't this smooth. It's got the uh, it has a much stronger flavor than the other cheap scotch we've had. Um and it's it's pretty strong too. I wouldn't mind mixing mm-hmm. this with uh, vermouth or Oh. Do you do that with scotch? You mix it with vermouth? Yeah, I cut it with vermouth oh. and you know, make a Manhattan or Whoa. an old fashioned. Ooh. And it's got a cool, like, kind of coat of arms picture of a lion. And it says, Royal is my race. And it's distilled, aged, blended in Scotland, so you know it's real. It's a pretty sizable bottle. It's for $12. You get a lot of bang for your buck yeah, on this seven, one. Yeah, 750 uh, milliliters. Uh, let's see. Blend of our finest malton grain whiskeys, complex, sweet, and mellow flavor. Uh, and then there's all these other little insignias on it. Um, 100% scotch whiskey. Oh, there's a little story. Oh, and in the in the bottle is like a coat of arms thing, kind of like engraved oh, yeah. in the bottle. This says Glasgow, Scotland below it. Okay. Oh, this font is tiny. Okay, so here we go. Clan McGregor blended Scotch whiskey combines the qualities of exceptional taste and fine flavor, which are derived from the expert blending of spe- of specially selected Scotch whiskeys of the f- of the finest quality is an achievement of perfection distilled by skilled craftsmen in age for 36 months to create a character of smoothness and taste that is unmatched. So there you go. All right. I think as cheap whiskeys go, this is the best one we've had. Uh, yeah, I agree. So if you if you work for Clan McGregor, we just said something really nice about your cheap whiskey. So we you did. should send us like a case. I and enjoy then, drinking we, Clan McGregor. And you know what? Any whiskey uh, seller out there, if you send us a case of your whiskey, we will make you the permanent sponsor of this podcast. Yes. But so far, we just gotta buy it with our own, you know, measly video store wages. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. So the buried secret of M Night Shyamalan. So the plot of this supposed mockumentary, I think it was real. It's a doc- documentary filmmaker, Nathaniel Kahn, whom you might remember being the Academy Award-nominated filmmaker of My Architect. Yeah. This was his follow-up film from that much critically acclaimed uh, movie. And he's hired by the Sci-Fi Channel. And the movie takes us through all this. You know, we get some behind-the-scenes stuff in this documentary. Uh, it's a, he's hired to do kind of a puff piece about the village. Uh, he goes on the set of the village, and through kind of like the interviews he has with people, and through kind of hanging out, uh, you know, in these weird little parts of uh, outside Philadelphia where they're making the movie and like kind of where Shyamalan had lived, he finds out there's like something weird going on with this Shyamalan character. Uh, there are young men with hoodies that hang outside Shyamalan's like estate. And they uh, tell Nathaniel, 
Uh, oh, Shyamalan's the real deal. He is in touch with the other side. The other side. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I'll show you. And so one of the hooded uh, youths uh, take the filmmaker to their house, and they talk to a Ouija board about M. Night, and the Ouija board moves on its own, like 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 a Ouija board does. Like it's like Without them touching, it's like, oh, yeah, Shyamalan is definitely in touch with the spirit world. And then it gets into this whole world of... Internet chat rooms where the filmmaker gets deep into the Shyamalan uh, chat room universe and finds out like there's something there's these there's this gap in Shyamalan's like history where nobody knows like what happened in this two year gap between ages like ten and twelve something like somewhere in there and like nobody knows where he lived or why why what's this weird gap so being the smart investigative journalist that Nathaniel Kahn is, he finds out where Shyamalan lived in this house in the middle of nowhere, and the house looks exactly like the <coughs> house from Signs, in a cornfield just like Signs, like in the middle of nowhere. And it was next to this giant lake, which they call a pond, but clearly it's like a huge lake. Like, don't they call it a pond? And the movie, they're like, oh, this pond. And it was like, no, that's a lake. That's not a pond. I think a pond right. is tiny. Lake is big. It's big. Correct. Yes. Uh, and it turns out that Shemelan drowned and was technically "quote unquote" dead for thirty straight minutes, and in that time, got in touch with the other side, uh, which includes this child who also drowned like two hundred years before. Isn't that like what it was? Like yes, something like named that? Henry. Henry, and uh, and of course, before all this in the movie, there's all these clues of like. The filmmaker going to the school and the teacher being like, he had an imaginary friend named Henry. Here's a ghostly picture of him. And he's like, ooh, that's weird. Like, he looks like a ghostly, sickly version of, like, a little rascal, basically. And so you find out, like, Henry drowned, like, 200 years ago. And then there's some weird stuff with witchcraft going on and some sort of, like, old, you know, New England-type, you know, 13 colonies, like, witchcraft, uh, you know, supernatural type things going on. And somehow this is all tied in with, like, M. Night Shyamalan is, like, this person who can, like, channel this kind of other supernatural, uh, you know, dimension, which is why he chose a path of making fun films about the supernatural and aliens and things like Makes that. Makes sense. Check Makes out. sense. Sure, it checks out. Like I said, this is a documentary. This ain't a mock. This is real. Uh, and so And so it's, it is... Like a documentary where the guy, the filmmaker's falling around. He's kind of like he kind of reminds me. It's some of it kind of reminds me of the movies of uh, who's that jackass who made Kurt and Courtney? You know, oh, what I'm talking about know. like, and he's just like a total like this oh. idiot. Like the whatever that guy's like. It's like where the documentary turns into about the documentary because he's such a troublemaker that he the movies like him. There's scenes of him like arguing with the producer and like, oh, this is fall this interview's falling apart. And so it's not just a movie like done professionally. It's like it's showing you like the struggle the filmmaker has to get his vision told. So then it becomes more about the filmmaker than it does the subject matter in a weird way. Uh that was Nick Broomfield. Yeah, <coughs> Nick Broomfield, yeah. Nick Broomfield, yeah. excuse me. So it's kinda it's kinda like it plays on that kind of filmmaking a bit where it's like, I'm making a movie, wait a minute. This is the movie I thought it was. Wait a minute, I have to fight to for the movie that I want it to be, and then that's the movie. Which is weird because if you're watching 
the, if you're watching the movie that the Sci-Fi Channel produced and it's not the movie they wanted, but then there's all the stuff about them in the movie, why would they let that happen? Clearly, it's not a real documentary. <laughs> and uh, and I feel like you know, like it's weird because I don't know if people are j- joking, but there are people still on the internet being like, no, this is totally real. Then there's other people being like, you're an idiot. No, it's not. It's like you're a dipshit. Uh, like this is not. Like this was only a few years after Blair Witch. Which yeah. there was the you know the rumor of like that was real. Well, Blair bro. Witch also had a like Sci-Fi Channel documentary about how it oh, was yeah. real. Oh yeah, I remember that. And I remember I watched that and I got super psyched up for the yeah. Blair Witch because in my younger and more vulnerable days, I still believed yeah. in ghosts and shit like that. Oh yeah. Sorry to people that believe in ghosts. <laughs> They're not real. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They aren't. Uh, yeah, so I got excited about this because it's about uh, it's about making movies. I love stuff about making movies, and it's about him like Shyamalan. All right, so I tune in to the Sci-Fi Channel. I watch about like five minutes of it. I watched the scene with Johnny Depp, <laughs> and after that, determined. So you didn't even start at the beginning. No, no, I tuned in because I didn't know it was happening. So you, I feel like when you watch the movie, it they kind of show their hand pretty quick that it's not real. Yeah. Mostly because the acting's not very good, <laughs> especially from the hooded, like delinquents, and especially from Shemalan's high school friend, like this lady who's his high school friend, and she's mm-hmm. like clearly some acting school, you know, person, and she's mm-hmm. just like not very believable. Like she's playing it up in a way where she's like, "This isn't real," because the movie starts with the filmmakers in their hotel being like, "Our equipment's gone, everything's gone, everything's been stolen. What's going on?" And he's like, in like the, the filmmakers in the corner, like on a phone. And you're like, "Okay, what is this?" And then pretty quickly, you're like, "Yeah, this is just a big put on, or is it?" <laughs> because the well, I don't want to talk about the end of the movie yet. We'll get there. Okay. But uh, so I thought this movie was not very good. <laughs> not very good. Uh, it should have been thirty a thirty minute special. I think if it was like a fun half hour thing, then great. But it's like a hundred minutes long. It's a hundred minutes. It's a full length motion picture. You know, so with commercials that puffs it out to two hours God of TV damn. time. Yeah. But this thing should have been an hour. There was a lot of it where it dragged and oh, yeah. I fell asleep during this. <laughs> I nodded off at the very end. Did you re- rewind? Yeah, it? I had to okay. rewind it. And- watch it but uh yeah why was it so long like so this came out a week before the village was in theater so this was sort of like the sci-fi channel's way to advertise the village in a Mm -hmm. different uh way but gosh like a hundred minutes like that's i mean i guess if you're aiming for if you want people to think it's real and it's like god what a scoop we found out the shemline can talk to the dead then i guess you want to donate and devote a whole uh you know, feature length motion yeah, picture. Yes, I, I mean, a lot of documentaries it. are like 80 minutes, you know? Yeah. But and so there's a lot of hit. There's a, it is cool, though, because there is a lot of stuff that's on the set of the village, and I believe that really was this funny thing they shot while they were making the village. Yeah. So you do get to see sort of like where it, like, kind of where it is, like in the woods and like the sets and stuff. But then it's weird because you get you get a fake interview with Adrian Brody. So they're like, Adrian Brody, I know we paid you <laughs> to be in this other movie, but will you? do this interview for this fake documentary for a sci-fi channel and, and talk about how Shyamalan can talk to ghosts or whatever. And then, yeah, they talked to Johnny Depp, which I really... To me, that was the big twist of the movie. It was like, oh, shit, that's like a real person who does nothing to do with M. Night Shyamalan movies. He's not on the set of Village. At all. And somehow, at the height of, like, wasn't this, like, when Pirates was, like, yeah. the thing? Pirates had for, just... like, everyone Pirates in the world. Pirates had just happened. They had just blown uh, up. Blown up, like, bigger than any movie ever at that point, it felt Johnny like. Johnny Depp is bigger... 
probably than he ever was in the 80s or 90s. I know. And it's they, huge. And yet they have him be in this like silly little movie. Yeah, he shows up because <laughs> he gets a, a Nathaniel Khan gets a tip from a high school friend of Shyamalan that he interviews on a train platform in Philly. <laughs> And Which no real filmmaker would do that because it'd be too loud. Too loud, way too loud. There's no way. <laughs> and the guy, he like tips his hand, like, "Oh, I should have, like, oh no, no, I shouldn't have said that. Like, oh no, never mind, never mind." And he he said that like Shaman thought about someone else before Mel Gibson. Oh, for signs, for yeah. signs, yeah. And then he like gets freaked out and runs away. <laughs> He's like, "I gotta catch my train, goodbye." It runs away. So then. <laughs> So then Nathaniel Khan goes on the uh, the Shyamalan interwebs <laughs> and into the chat room and he trades some Shyamalan information for to find out who was this actor that was considered before Mel Gibson. Like, oh, it's Johnny Depp. <laughs> and what's the last thing you expect to happen? Is actually see, see Johnny, Johnny, Depp Johnny Depp in this Depp. movie. And then they knock on the door and it opens and there's Johnny Depp wearing a hat. <laughs> He's got his glasses on. It's like... Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, come in. This isn't my house. So Johnny Depp's just a really good friend to every filmmaker in the world, which is why he'll show up in Kevin Smith movies yeah. all over the place. He's like, yeah, I'll be in your movie. You're nice. See? Nice guy. Yeah. So we we could probably get Johnny Depp if we made a movie and said, hey, Johnny Depp, like <clears throat> you're a nice guy. We're nice guys. Will you be in this movie? I'd be like, sure. I think so. You're nice. Yeah. Cool. You're like, you can wear all the makeup you want. <laughs> 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 and this movie also has a lot of Nathaniel hanging out with the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> what is up with that pizza like delivery a lot. guy? He's like, like a lot. It's a lot. It's like three. And he's like his go-to like advising man. Yeah. He's like, hey, pizza delivery guy, what do you think of this? Isn't this weird? The pizza delivery guy is like straight up just sitting in the hotel room being like, that's weird, dog. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know why you do that. And you're like, doesn't he have pizzas to deliver? Like, he probably delivered the pizza. And then like this guy's sharing the secret. Come on. Like, why would you do that? But the pizza guy's in it a lot. Like, I believe at least, the... like, three times, three yeah. or four times he's there, just, like, there to give advice to the filmmaker he's about what he should do. He's a big-time consultant. <laughs> and the pizza guy, I believe, uh, was Hispanic or mm -hmm. Latino, so he knew a lot about the spirit world on the <laughs> other side because we're all very superstitious. We've seen that Paranormal Activity movie, the yes. one, the Spanish one. Yeah, La Actividad de las Fantasmas. <laughs> I don't know what that was called. It was something something very Spanish. <laughs> uh, so yeah, hangs out with the pizza guy. Then they, there's a guy they meet called Ch Chakmul. <laughs> and Chakmul, like, he's kind of like... what What is Chakmul? He's kind of like he's in touch with the other side in a little, little bit of a way. Like, he kind of knows a lot about... Like, Chakmul's pretty savvy. Yeah, is he the too, guy uh, that's, like, yeah. throwing shells? Yeah, he's throwing he, like, shells. Like, he's, he's like, in touch. And he reads the shells, like, dice. Yeah. You know. And then, the other thing that confused me... And so, like... So, this movie we do not have at the video store. Like, I'm guessing this was released on video. Has it been released on DVD? It has been released on DVD. Really? And it sells okay. for a, like... Maybe reasonable price of like seventeen dollars on not, Amazon. Not reasonable. That's too much. It's like the price of an <laughs> average DVD. Still, is that still the price of an average DVD? I it, think it feels so. high to me. I feel last time I bought a DVD at Best Buy, like uh, a new release DVD, it was like twenty dollars. When was the last time you did that? That was a a very long time ago. It may have been Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. <laughs> you couldn't buy it off of Amazon. 
Well, I like having DVDs and physical media. You know, I like being able to hold... Well, can you buy the stuff. DVD off of Amazon? Well, yeah, but I also like going into stores and stuff. Oh. So I went to Best Buy, and I bought the Blu-ray DVD combo because the DVD was $20. Whoa. The Blu-ray was $40, but the DVD Blu-ray was $30. Does Best Just Buy still right. have DVDs? They do, but now they have it's DVDs like, like the way they have CDs. It's like, here's your one little section. It's like, here's your one, thing. like, here's a... Here's a uh, a bargain bin of Blu-rays. It's just like all thrown in there. There's all four there's Matrix some good movies on one DVD. Here's yeah, all four there's Rob a Schneider lot of movies. those. I hate those. I hate those <laughs> so much. Yeah, so this movie I had to watch on the intranet. I had to like they actually it's on YouTube in 13 parts, which is really annoying. So it's like 13 <laughs> 10 minute chunks. So you have to keep kind of clicking over. But I maybe it's because I watched it on a on a crappy like it clearly was this version was taped off of TV or something and put on the internet or taped off the VHS because it looked terrible. It was not good quality. You couldn't read the credits. But, so, the but there's a part. There's a part. There's a few parts in the movie where, where they talk about the film, the film they're shooting on. The film runs out. But as far as I can tell, wasn't it shot on video? It sure looks like it's shot on video. It looks like it's shot on video. This was a time when DV DV tape was starting to, yeah. uh, you know, really be a thing. Uh, yeah, it probably was. There was a time... So no, this movie's not shot on film. There's no they way were, this uh, is shot on 35mm. They're not going to shoot this They were, like, that. attacked by a bird. Yeah. And then the yeah. camera just goes black. And they're like, the film ran out, the film ran out. And there's a thing on the screen that says, the film ran out. And it's like, but you're shooting on video. Like, there is no film that ran Like, there's no way. And there's no way you'd go do a thing and not just load on some two-hour tape. Like well, yeah. I mean, more. if they're shooting on DV tape, like yeah. you have an like you you always have way more <laughs> tapes than you actually need. And they do a lot of obnoxious stuff like that, where it's like the sound goes out at a part that's really important, to, but you don't have to hear it all. You know, kind of emulating the North by Northwest scene at the airport, where it's like, oh, we don't have to hear what this is. It's a MacGuffin. It doesn't matter. We're gonna have the sound go out here. And so it's a lot of like <clears throat> the Shyamalan's mic goes out yes. at the part where he's talking about a thing. And you're like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> because MacGuffins are more fun when we shove them in your face. <laughs> or it's just like we didn't do our homework. We didn't know what to write here. We're just gonna say the microphone went out at this part. Uh, but I have to say, like, as dumb as this movie kind of is, and as too long it is. Shyamalan's really good in it. I, I think his performance as himself is pretty good. Like, he he is the best actor in this movie. Him as himself is good. <laughs> like it reminded me of the movie Incident at Loch Ness mm. with Werner Herzog. It's, a great movie. That is a good, great movie yeah. uh, where it, it's a mockumentary and everyone's playing themselves and they're all obviously acting because they're not professional actors, so you can tell that everyone's like taking pains to say words and it sounds like a high school play except for <laughs> Werner Herzog who knows how to play himself. He plays it straight and he plays it so well yeah. and it's so good and it's really funny. And and Shyamalan <clears throat> does yeah. does pretty much the same thing. He, he does, plays it straight and yeah. he's he's good at playing himself. And there's part there's many parts where he gets upset or flustered because the Nathaniel's asking him about his his buried secret. And it's a lot of like, uh, this interview's over. Or a lot of like, he's freaked out by this like crow, raven mm -hmm. type bird that's flying around. Or there's a great, the, I think the best part of the movie where he's just like, hanging out with Shyamalan in Philadelphia. And they go to like this sandwich shop to get like a steak sandwich. And that part actually feels real. Like I feel like maybe that part actually was a documentary where yeah. they're like, this is in my Shyamalan. And the people working there are like, oh, okay. Like they don't seem that, 
overjoyed or like maybe they don't know who he is and that felt very believable and there's a part where there's a guy where they talk to some fans who take a picture and the guy's like oh I film things and it's in Shyamalan's like you better not be filming movies in the theater and it, that interaction feels very real like I feel it must have been real like that think, part does, yeah, because there's no so. there's no that that part like as I thought like oh is this fake is the guy showing like taking a picture and then later on the filmmaker's gonna the, the, the guy, talk to the guy with the phone and be like, I took his picture and a weird thing happened with my phone. It didn't happen. I think those are really people in Philadelphia that ran in the Shyamalan being like, oh shit, you're the guy who made these movies. And so that part was good and then they play pool and it's like, that. that oh, I liked all that stuff. And there's sort of like a uh, moment that feels sort of like a J-horror film where they where the lady takes the Polaroid picture and then you look at the picture and there's like a ghostly image behind Shyamalan and it feels very much like The Ring or something like that where it's like ooh what is that and I liked that little bit I think that was the best part of the whole movie was that like weird like there's someone behind him but there's no there's no part of this movie that's actually scary at all no <laughs> like there's like I think they try when the Ouija board uh, pointer moves on its own all of a sudden they'll jump back like whoa because they'll jump you know? back and it's uh, all it's all obvious that yeah. Neither person in the shot has their hands on the little, uh, yeah, like glass thingy. And that part but, was well uh, done. You can make that move on it. And own. then they watch their film on TV immediately afterwards to see it move. Yes. Oh wait, it must be video because you can't do that with film. <laughs> they waited three days <laughs> for waited, the dailies. They waited a week for the lab to get back, and the, yeah, and then they did. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it predates Paranormal Activity, yeah. which is a movie where someone films something on home video and then watches it. And then you watch them watch what just happened. So they're filming themselves. I've never seen any of those movies. It's they're all awful. Yeah, they're really boring. And yes, so like this movie is a mockumentary. I guess it could also be considered found footage, even though it's not. It's not like it's not like other found footage where it's like we found this. Like this is portrayed as if this is the movie that the sci-fi channel is like daring to air. And then it has this ending, which makes me think maybe it's real. Where Nathaniel's supposed to meet Shyamalan on the set of the village, being like, okay, fine, you found this out about me. Let's meet. Look, we'll talk. Okay, we'll talk. After, like, Shyamalan kind of evading him or, like, getting flustered many times, like, just saying, like, I don't talk to ghosts. Like, people have seen that, blah, blah, Like, And so he's like, fine, we'll meet. We'll talk in private. We'll roll. Like, I'll talk. And then Shyamalan calls him and leaves a message. It's a message he leaves, right? Or does he actually talk to him? Uh, I think and it's a message. It's a message where he's just like, and you hear the phone, and he's just like, Yes, like it's true or whatever, like you like or whether it's true or not it doesn't matter. No one's gonna believe you. No one's gonna believe your movie. Like they're gonna think it's made up. They're gonna think it's a fake documentary, you know. And so this like is like so then is it a fake documentary? Because why? Like he's calling it out, saying like they're not gonna believe you. They're gonna think it's a fake documentary because no one will ever believe that I actually talked to ghosts. Yeah, Shyamalan says. What could you possibly show that they wouldn't think you made up? See? So maybe it is real. (laughs) There was stuff I read about how uh, Shyamalan released, like, statements to the press that he was, like, very angry that Sci-Fi Channel was going through with this documentary and it was totally unauthorized. It was a... Nice idea. That they it was a nice had, idea, but, but it didn't really. And because it was like it's too. I feel it's too on the nose. It's like too much. Like it's like the Sixth Sense and Signs and Unbreakable and like it's like it's too much. 
Like, he's the kid who can talk to ghosts, and he lived in this house in the cornfield, and then, like, he, like, like was at school with this, like, he saw this ghost. It was just, like, too much, like, oh, it is just the sixth sense. Like, he's, like, supposed to be, like, Haley Joel Osment. It's just, like, I think it would have been more interesting if it was about something completely unrelated to anything in his movies, but weird, where it, like, went into some strange place where it's, like, Shemlin's into this weird shit, and, like maybe it would be a little more believable. But because it was so much just, like, clearly they just watched the Shyamalan movies and been like, okay, well, it's like, this was, like, those movies were, like, what he was like in real life. And he made movies about it. Like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, parts, I think they could have done a little better. There are parts where uh, this this documentary, mockumentary, whatever thing, does, like, try to be scary. There are parts where it uh, almost turns into like an episode of Ghost Hunters. And they're like running <laughs> yeah. around with the camera. Running a house, like, and the realtor's all nervous. Or, uh, yeah, the Ouija board thing. Or, like, the, you know, like, what are these hoodie guys up to? Or, like, what's this picture? But it just doesn't, it's not really effective. And it kind of, uh, I don't think it did, but I'm just going to say right, I'm just going to say it. I think it ruined this filmmaker's uh, career for all time. <laughs> Because he never made another real thing ever again I, after it. I he was nominated for an Oscar and then made this. And then, like, some short films after. I mean, you know, like, like, we don't know how involved, how actually involved he was with this He's listed as thing. the director. Like, well, he's the director of this movie. Well, unless, like, they played that up for the joke and it was directed by, you know, like, Timor Tobax or something like that. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. But uh, I, I wrote, is this, uh, like, is this... Uh, Shyamalan's major misstep <laughs> no because... because next month's episode about the village <laughs> will be the first I think big misstep of his career cause like you okay it's like so you wanna do instead of just doing like an HBO first look type thing yeah. showing people behind the scenes stuff of your new movie we're gonna do this like little like kinda spooky mysterious you yeah. know fake documentary yeah. thing ostensibly to promote the village but it doesn't promote the village no, at all really there's it's, nothing about the village it only like promotes you just Shyamalan. see you see the village you see the the set and then you have like them drive up to the set and be denied or be on the set and they're like walking phoenix won't talk to you i'm i bet they asked walking phoenix like will you be in this mockumentary and he's probably like Fuck you! I'm a real actor. This <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, Walking Phoenix. Like, get out of my, get out of my interviews. face. Like no, I want. But they didn't even get a Bryce Dallas Howard. No, or not even a Judy Greer. That was yeah. she was my favorite. Wait, actress. was she? She's in that movie. Yes, she's my favorite actress. She was a big reason why I was so excited about the Village. Wait, how did you know her before the Village? Uh, I have been obsessed with uh, that. Might be the correct word to use <laughs> with Judy Greer ever since I saw her as Fern Mayo in Jawbreaker, nineteen ninety seven. Oh wow. Because, yeah. like, I feel when I saw this movie, when I saw The Village, I did not know who Judy Greer was. I don't think I knew who she was until Arrested Development. Uh, I think that yeah. was the first time I, I re, like, was like, oh, this is, I know who this person is. Interesting. It'll be interesting to watch The Village next month because I haven't, I've only seen it once in the theater. <clears throat> so it'll be weird to revisit that uh, film. Yeah. But, anyways, that's next month. Uh, so, this movie, I think, as found footage horror movies go, not so good. Not scary. No, not very compelling. Not scary. It's too long. Too long. Way too long. And it it tries to be like the Sixth Sense in that it tries to be spooky, but then also like spiritually meaningful. Yeah. And it just doesn't work because it's 
just this little uh, this little promo film. Mm-hmm. It just tries to build the myth of M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, which it, like, in I, a way it's like a weird version of like ego stroking, where it's just sort of like. Oh man, he's like so awesome that he can talk to De- he actually can talk to Deadpool. He's not just a filmmaker with creative ideas. He's the real deal. Like and even though he's the real deal, he chooses just to entertain us. But he can like totally talk to the other side and like be in contact with ghosts and stuff. Yeah, and this this uh, two year gap period of uh, like we don't know what happened the night between the ages of ten and twelve really bothered me. Because it seems to, it, it plays in to this idea that uh, all like true geniuses have this mysterious gap period where like they were children and then they disappear from the historical <laughs> record and then Shakespeare comes back and he's writing all the great wait, plays. Wait, wait a second! Didn't Jesus have a gap in his life? <laughs> Jesus, yet another incredibly did. Yes. Uh, comparison of Jesus to Shemelan, just like in Unbreakable, where he was being frisked and he had his arms out. So there you go. I mean, isn't Maybe isn't Shemelan the fact that like this this immigrant kid? You know, came to America and he made all these little home movies because he wanted to make real movies. And then he actually did make real movies and made awesome real movies. Isn't that like a cool, awesome story in itself? Like, I like that legend. Better. That's not even a legend. That's fact. That's fact. <laughs> I like that. I like that angle better than yeah. like, oh, he can he can actually yeah. talk to ghosts. And that was actually another great part of this movie was seeing cl- more clips of his kid movies that were like the actual clips from the movies he made as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want a goddamn Criterion set of like, <laughs> here's the 200, you know, movies that Shyamalan made pre-age 20. They look amazing. They look so good. It seems like he actually put a lot of work into them, and they, like, I know he's probably like, oh, I'm ashamed. Like, oh, they're so... D-. Like, and it's, that's how he talks about them whenever he does give a little snippet of it on special features of stuff. Like, it's like, oh, it's so silly. What, like, whatever, it's a toy robot. But, man, they're great. Like, what little you see, like, they're so good. Like, it I want to see I want to see all of those. Like, he paid attention to sound effects as a, like, 12-year-old kid with yeah. a home movie camera. Yeah. I didn't think about sound effects when I was making <laughs> movies with my... <laughs> with my parents' video camera when I was twelve, but yeah. So what happened to this filmmaker? I don't know. I think he was he was nominated for an Oscar for My Architect, which I've never seen. Which I remember being a big deal at the time, but then I don't think anyone watches it anymore because it's just about his dad, right? Like he's like, I didn't get along with my dad. He died when I was young, and he was an architect. Uh, and then I know he's nominated for an Oscar for that, and he was nominated for an Oscar for a short film. Maybe that was after this. Maybe he redeemed himself after this. I don't remember. Like, if he, like, if this was, like, post this movie, like, I know he was nominated for an Oscar for short film. He He's not won an Oscar, so actually he's, like, the same as us. Like, we also have not won Oscars, so he's not any better than we are. Not yet. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, yes. like, so, oh, yeah, so he's nominated for documentary short subject many years, af- a few years after this. So he, he bounced back. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He bounced back. But it is weird that he did this. Like, I wonder whose idea this... Like, I'm guessing this was the idea of the pub, the publicity of Shyamalan's, like, publicist or whatever. Or maybe Shyamalan had a, a thought of, like, wouldn't it be fun to do this? But it's weird they got that guy. Like, it's very it's interesting. It's weird. It's weird that it's like, not, like, the second... Like, the third <clears throat> unit director or, like, the... 
you know, the director of like the HBO first look yeah. of Star Trek Insurrection. Because my whatever. architect wasn't like huge. Like we, I, we know what it is. Yeah. And it was a movie that I think was like a, like people liked it and watched it. But it wasn't like on the level of like a, like the rare documentary that breaks through to like be a thing that everybody watches. Uh, so it's interesting that this guy, like maybe he just got he made my architect got nominated for an Oscar, got a great agent. Agents like, hey, I got this job for you. Sci-Fi Channel wants to do this fake documentary about Amy Shyamalan, and you can like talk to ghosts and like it's you walking around. And he's like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> so, but wouldn't it have been better if this was a Werner Herzog movie. Yeah. That would have been great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Werner Herzog versus Shyamalan. That would have been... Maybe that's maybe that's the next podcast series we do after this is do all the Herzog stuff, because that's like a whole world on its own. Uh, yeah, I'm down like, for gosh, that. Like, gosh. That's, that's funny, because Herzog... <laughs> that's, that's like, we've whole... just watched a not good documentary about, <laughs> about Shyamalan, or fake documentary. Herzog has been in a great fake documentary, and he also made what is probably my favorite... And what I think is the best documentary I've ever seen, the the great ecstasy of sculptor Steiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the uh, the long distance ski so jumper. So good. It's amazing. Let's do. Maybe we should do Herzog after this. We'll see. We'll see if the three listeners of this. Maybe we'll have a vote in, amongst those listeners. <laughs> they can tweet the uh, votes of like Herzog or Kevin Smith. Which one are we gonna do next? <laughs> I don't know. Guess who? Guess which director <laughs> I own more movies of. <laughs> guess which one I own more movies of. I'll give you a hint. It's not Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of like there's not much left to talk about this. Like it's like it is what it is. It came out a week before The Village. There will be a lot more to talk about next month when we watch The Village, which will be our next episode. Yeah. Uh, which. I think will be a it's a very I think it's a very pivotal movie for Shemelan in terms of like where his fan base went or where like his, kind of where his went, career what went he for, did like it turned in a way that's like it's like there like it was sort of like a weird moment and how he handled like the pressure and the expectations of being like the twist guy the twist guy and yeah. I. Yeah, <clears throat> we we can talk about how he handled we, that yeah uh, the one thing <laughs> I want to get in is that. Even though this is a documentary where the documentarian is, like, front and center in it, Nathaniel Kahn doesn't really, like, hijack the documentary to make it about himself. And he's not really, like, annoying in it. He's not Morgan Spurlocking it. He's not Morgan Spurlocking (laughs) it. He's not, like, the guy that made the documentary about Paul Williams, where it's it's ostensibly a documentary about the life of Paul Williams, which is interesting because the guy, like, created the sound of the 70s. And wrote the music for the Muppet movie, the and Phantom of, of Paradise, and Ishtar. Yeah, yeah. It's like and all the Carpenter songs. When you think of like like what's like the generic sound of the '70s, Paul Williams wrote that, and then he got really messed up on drugs. Now he's cleaned up and he's still working. But this documentary is about uh, the documentarian trying to become friends with Paul Williams <laughs> and that the director is the star of the Paul Williams documentary. I hate, I hate that. And it's like the reason why I can't completely ever get behind Michael Moore because like I hate that kind of version of filmmaking of like, I know it's about this, but me, 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 me. And like, yes, there is like room in the art world and entertainment world for personal stories and things but then you get into – I think you get into some weird territory if you make a thing that's not about you about you. 
and it's just about you, and then it starts to feel like, like, I'm just going to be like, Super Size Me sucks. That movie sucks. And it made me want to eat McDonald's, actually, when it was done. I was like, I'll eat the Denver. heck out of McDonald's. And the movie just turned into, it was just about like, I'm a funny guy. I'm doing this thing. Like me, it's not really, a, it didn't really feel like it was about the message of this food's bad for you or like whatever. It was more of like, oh, you're a failed stand-up comedian and you hope this will like launch you into a, a place of superstardom. And luckily, Nathaniel Kahn playing the fake version of himself doesn't do that. This movie no. is, like, it, it is, the movie is very much about him trying to make this movie for sure. But I feel it's always focused around, like, Shemelon and, 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 like, like this weird, you know, quote-unquote mystery. Mm-hmm. But, and I think people who are big fans of Shemelon will get a kick out of this movie if you haven't seen it. Because it is fun to kind of have this fake fun like wouldn't it be fun if this kind of movie was made about every filmmaker where you had a fake documentary just joking around with Martin Scorsese or you know like you know it's like oh that time Scorsese was abducted by aliens (laughs) like just to see like a director have a little bit of fun and do this like kind of fake fun thing so it's like it's totally a harmless movie um I'll never watch it again but like it's I won't either it's it's inoffensive I, I think it's worse like it's just sort of like yeah, you didn't need to be that long. Whatever, you, it's fine. <laughs> one, one tangent. Uh, did you notice in an interview with one of Knight's childhood friends, he's being interviewed in front of this oil painting hanging on the wall behind him, and it looks, it's not, but it looks like it is a portrait of Adolf Hitler. Yes. <laughs> That yes, yeah. What what was that? That was weird. That was weird because you see it just like over the guy's yeah, shoulder. Yeah, like is that Hitler? Like is that Hitler? Like he has a tiny mustache and he's yeah. got the nose and it, the hair. And what's weird is like it's not like nobody accidentally makes a movie. It's not like you shoot a thing and then you never notice it again. Like you will watch this footage time and time again. Like you will set up the camera. Like so much thought is put into even the worst of movies. Like even the most bottom of the barrel zero star movie there is some attention paid to it so like wouldn't they have thought having that image in the background people would automatically think is that hitler (laughs) yeah i thought that was really weird because there was a moment where it's like like it's clearly not hitler once you start looking at it for a while but it's so distracting that you're not really paying attention to whatever the interviewer is saying like you're just kind of like why is there a big picture of like a weird hitler drawing (laughs) this guy yeah that was weird not everybody weird. has that mustache, yeah. and it definitely wasn't Charlie Chaplin. So that was like that was very strange. And I think it's just Cha- yeah. it's just Chaplin and Hitler, and then Hitler ruined that that stash. And then everybody. whoever that painting was, yeah. like, must have been pre-Hitler, I hope, or that maybe the guy was like, "I'm owning this stash. It's like, 19- I'm taking it. Back. It's 1948, and I don't give a shit. Like, I'm gonna have that mustache. Like, bring it. Like, that was weird. Yeah. Where were remember where were they filming in that scene? Like what was that in? Uh, it was just in like some guy's like home office, I think. Maybe he just collects paintings of people with Hitler mustaches who aren't Hitler. That would be a great art gallery, great <laughs> art exhibition. Yeah, I'd go to that. <laughs> like, there's people with that mustache. Is that does that mustache have a name? Uh. I think it's like like a toothbrush mustache or something. Because it's called the Hitler mustache now, basically. Now you like, you know, Hitler, Hitler mustache, stash. and you're like, you know what we mean. Just like in 100, just people be like, you know, the Trump hair. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. that awful guy's hair. But, uh, yeah, the Hitler mustache. Uh, we, that was very weird. That painting was very strange. Like, that was very, very weird. 
I guess that's it. Like, we figured this episode wouldn't be the most compelling or longest one. No, it's just so... like, it's basically a fake making of, not really making of, of the village. And it's just sort of a precursor for next month's episode, which will be the village, which I think will be a longer episode because I know even before I've even rewatched this, I have a lot to talk about with that movie. I do too. Like, there's so much to get into on that too. one. Like, that, I. That movie I thought about quite a bit afterwards, and I still am. And, like, that movie was a while ago. So I think that's going to be... I'm, I'm just going to predict that's going to be a three-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> so make some room on your computer now to uh, watch the three-hour episode of, of uh, our Village Review next month. Yeah. But if, if you have listened <laughs> to all of this uh, episode about a fake documentary... Uh, thank you. <laughs> and thank you for everyone that's uh, listened to us thus far. And uh, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. Please uh, <coughs> subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate and review us. Uh, Spread the word. Tell your friends. Be like, if you know yeah. someone who's kind of into movies or sort of into Shyamalan, spread the word. We would love to hear more people that listen to this and hear from you. And yeah, cast your vote. Herzog or Kevin Smith? <laughs> 2019 which I'm, one is it gonna be that's great because i'm i'm cool with either of those choices <laughs> if only they would collaborate and then we could do it about both and then it all oh, leads to that moment yeah. where they make something together it, it's not it's, it can be weird like herzog hung out with you know harmony corinne so why wouldn't he hang out with kevin smith yeah. who's a better filmmaker than harmony corinne in my opinion uh in my opinion which uh, i think borders on the on uh, being fact <laughs> uh yeah so thanks thanks for tuning in and uh yeah we're very excited to visit the village the village next month next month tune in then yeah Shyamalan twist.